spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for March 16th to March 22nd, 2022. We have a full moon in Virgo. We have Mars and Venus and Aquarius square Uranus in Taurus. We have the rulers of the full moon, Jupiter and Mercury. If we count Jupiter as the traditional ruler of Pisces, they will be conjunct in the sign of Pisces. Um, so we have quite a lot of activity this week and I've thought about it in summation and I'll share with you kind of a broad overview and then get into the transits in more detail specifically. So when I'm thinking about this week, especially with the full moon, with the all of the magic and compassion and depth of love and Pisces illuminating this fullness in Virgo, which relates to alignment and service and our habits and how we concretely tend to the necessities and the virtues of life, Sitting with these week's transits, a message I want to share is that deep love and the faith in that love can transform and elevate so much in our lives. And I'm not saying this in a, in a cheesy way. I mean, I really deeply mean it. It's like when you really care about something, when you're really invested, it's going to bring out a deeper drive within you to be the best version of yourself that you can be, to work through the, the karmic knots and entanglements that you have to overcome addictions. You know, people do amazing things because of love. And with this rainbow, with this high frequency source of energy that love is, it brings content up, crisis even. I'm thinking of, for example, and I, I use this example many weeks, I feel like, but the love a parent has for their child that so profoundly motivates the parent to work through their own material and trauma in the effort to not simply pass it down the line, like that overwhelming love for their child motivates them to face things that can be scary to deal with. This deep kind of love that inspires us to face our fears and give the dream our all instead of hold, folding in the face of these fears. So this week, the sun in Pisces illuminates the moon at a peak moment of fullness in Virgo, showing that with great activations of love, of hope, of the dream, our capacity to see where we are out of alignment grows brighter. The illumination is confronting, right? However, understanding this as an energetic, we can extrapolate that when we apply ourselves toward our dreams and higher values, we have more energy and drive for the craft of life. The emotion of feeling deeply connected within Pisces can extend to how deeply we are willing to merge with Earth, tending lovingly to the tasks, habits, or disciplines that keep the dream alive, right? So just thinking about, say, like an environment where you need to get stuff done. And if you don't really care about the mission, if you don't really care about the project, doesn't it take a lot more um, 
willpower to just get through those that minutia versus when you really care about the project, you care about the whole vision, um, you may still feel resistance to doing the tasks and the chores and the habits related to it, but there might be more of a swelling kind of oceanic scent of momentum in the direction of that dream and the real details that move that dream into reality. So the Virgo Pisces axis often reminds me of altars, the physical arrangement of objects that becomes a portal for divine communication. I also believe in all-encompassing altars, one's life itself as the temple, that the act of aligning our activities, habits, strivings, etc., with higher values and dreams is one way we can really have it all on the line here, that our life is a living altar, our life is a living temple. This full moon can feel more emotionally jarring <clears throat> for the places that we feel out of alignment or realize that something is off, <clears throat> right? And our sensitivity to small details can also be heightened. Not only is it Pisces season, um, but the rulers of the lunation, Mercury and Jupiter, are conjunct in the watery and permeable Pisces. So little things can feel a lot more um, flooding or we feel less kind of buffered at an egoic level and we're noticing these details a little bit more. So I offer a pivot to consider, which is leading with value. Even and especially in small ways, small ways which have a cumulative and compact effect, how can you create value? This can start with the ways that you speak to yourself more kindly and give yourself more compassion and credit while also building trust with yourself by addressing things that need attention and care. This can be how you concretely move through the world and offer your gifts. So for example, along this line of speaking more kindly to ourselves, when I'm in a state of anxiety, something's bothering me, um, sometimes the kind of anxiety that it's like I'm itching out of my skin. I know what I'm thinking, right? I know like the stories that I'm telling, the ways that um, I'm analyzing a detail and everything that it means and all the fears about it and what could go wrong. And what I've really taken to doing is doing EFT and tapping on it and talking about my distress and um, essentially having a catharsis around it with this really powerful somatic like reprogramming tool, but then also finding a place within myself of having compassion for the experience that I'm having and then rewriting the story intentionally and giving more attention to where I can give myself credit. Right. And I think that, um, as a, as a form of mental hygiene, uh, as a form of self-love hygiene, right? We're talking about Pisces and compassion. Um, people can be quite cruel to themselves and have these really um, self-demeaning thoughts or um, yeah, negative self-talk. And it can become an act of miracle to start to rewrite that script. Um, and I really like adding tapping or EFT. Um, feel free to you know look that up. Um, in the sense that it offers like a somatic release point um, to kind of move up the um, meridians or the energy systems in that process of clearing all of that anxious charge.
So in addition to this kind of, um, you know, speaking more compassionately to ourselves, tending to emotional distress instead of abandoning ourselves in the face of distress, sucking it up, you know, to like actually work with the crisis material that's coming up. We're talking about a Virgo full moon. Um, Leading with value can be how you concretely move through the world and offer your gifts. Like thinking about, um, you know, this, sometimes we're in a survival mode, right? And that's what we're, that's where we are. Um, When we have the freedom to like expand past that, and we see life before us as a series of possibilities. It's like, what, what am I going to add? Right. And this can happen even with survival in a survival state. We can become very aware of our inner resources and what we have of value to offer to then be an exchange in the ecosystem and whatnot. Um, but just thinking about like where we have it within ourselves to think about our capacity for generosity, what we're here to give, what we're here to gift and leaning into that. Um, as a way of being. And these are just meditations on the Virgo Pisces axis of that sense of inspiration and deep spiritual union with Pisces and then these concrete acts with Virgo, the service that Virgo represents. So then at higher levels of alignment, living in a state of leading with value also requires discernment and boundaries. To be generous and live into the full heat of one's sun, one's solar essence, and not get inflated and not be a martyr and not allow oneself to be taken advantage of or be overextending and draining connections. All of that is a craft of discernment and good boundaries. Virgo is about getting dialed in, being exceptionally accurate. We hold the dream of Pisces and dial it in into the particulars, the fractals of the whole. How could such an ask not humble us profoundly? Right? Like there's a a balance to strike because sometimes we have um, fantasies, ways that we're projecting onto a certain situation. And it's like, we're going to do everything to make this thing work when that might be out of the flow of the universe, right? Or putting in the effort to um, facilitate the growth of something may be more important than just abandoning it. And that is always that discrimination or that discernment that we speak of with Virgo. Okay, so I will get into the transits, break them all down after a few announcements. One is that a great way to stay in touch with me is my mailing list. You can find the link in the notes. I send you the weekly forecasts as as well as um, updates about courses, events. You can also find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I post post on stories um, fairly regularly and... I'm very excited to be offering the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive again, May through September. Um, This is a profound opportunity to speak the language of evolutionary astrology, to become initiated into this lineage of astrology and have it as something that you can continue to cultivate for the rest of your life. Um, I designed this program with that intention that it's like getting a, a really great foundation or getting your foot, your feet in the realm of astrology 
so that from there you can continue to expand. This course um, is crafted to be stimulating to people that have already been into astrology for a long time, might even be professionals. Um, But the depth and the kind of um, numinosity that we approach the archetypes, the way that we seek to connect with them personally can benefit anyone, no matter how advanced. And the course includes fundamentals so that those who are beginners um, can receive this astrological initiation as well. Evolutionary astrology is a wisdom school. It is about the soul's ongoing evolution, coming here as a soul who's been here for many countless lifetimes, probably has more ahead of us. Um, I don't meet a lot of people that this is truly their last lifetime, but it puts us in a context, this lifetime, our struggles, our desires, our deepest dreams, how are these connected to this epic multi-lifetime journey that we're on and that you can actually read the natal chart from this perspective of the soul's ongoing evolution. This kind of astrology is something that I've been growing alongside of since I was 21 and I'm merged with it so deeply. I, I would shudder to imagine my life without it. Um, this map has just been so regenerative and so opening and given me contemplation in times of difficulty and challenge, as well as uh, visionary ideas to lean into, to facilitate my dreams and lean into my desires in this lifetime. So I'm truly excited to be offering it again. I do have scholarships available. The link for the course um, to enroll and read student testimonials is linked below, as well as the scholarship application. And um, I'm also giving in-person astrology readings at Anthea Tea House in Portland, tea included in the session. You can book directly through a link that I'm leaving in the notes. Um, Let me know if you'd like to request alternate availability for those in-person readings. And um, I am, my books are open for astrology readings online anywhere in the world as well. So I'll leave the link for my general books as well. And then last announcement, I have a new episode out of Magic of the Spheres podcast with my dear friend and collaborator and tarot teacher, Christopher Marmalejo of The Red Read. We discuss two tarot cards that are especially pertinent to this lunation the Ten of Cups relating to the third decan of Pisces, where the sun is during this lunation, and the Ten of Pentacles relating to the third decan of Virgo, where the moon will be during the lunation. So this is like a a spiritual balm or a spiritual fountain. Like this conversation was just so rich and um, we timed it, you know, as an offering for this full moon for you. And with that, I will get back into our transits in more detail. So on March 17th, uh, Mercury in 12 degrees of Pisces will sextile Uranus in 12 degrees of Taurus at 5.13 a.m. Did not delineate that one. It's just an FYI. (laughs) And then March 18th, there is the full moon in 27 degrees of Virgo at 12.17 a.m. And we'll have Pluto in 28 degrees of Capricorn trining the moon and sextiling the Pisces sun during this lunation. Virgo is an archetype that relates to refinement and alignment, which can be our experience of touching the sanctified temple-like frequency and also the tribulations along the way, right? It's our relationship with perfectionism. It's our relationship with being enough or not enough. And 
there's something that's inherently aspirational to Virgo. It's opposite Pisces, the dreamer, right? So it's like, we're never complete. We're never perfect. Um, there's a difference between holding ourselves to an impossible standard and thus um, diminishing ourselves every step of the way because we're never good enough and having a really humble life enhancing relationship with the process of improvement and steady growth. One of my um, yoga teachers, when I did Ashtanga yoga, talked about the daily practice of yoga being like putting yourself through a rock tumbler that, you know, you show up for your practice every day and it makes you shiny. Um, and I loved that idea. You know, I also had a mentor when I was really studying my craft every day, talk about me as though I was in my montage scene of my movie, you know, like doing all of the, um, just daily steady efforts to work towards something. So I think with Virgo, we really want to take ourselves out of this idea that we're not good enough and therefore we must work as a form of self-punishment and see more our strivings and our efforts as generative, as in service, um, not as a compensatory act that connects to some form of self-hatred. Um, that adjustment is a, you know, we talk about adjustments with Virgo inherently, like the refinement aspect of things. So whenever you make a helpful pivot or learn how to do something more skillfully, that is a Virgo blessing. And there is even the, the edit or the refinement of the refinement process that I'm speaking of here, which is about approaching it from a place of love and, um, not the kind of masochism that Virgo can relate to psychologically. Let's consider, you know, and it's okay if you're there, but just notice it and seek to kind of um, bring yourself to a different state of alignment. So let's consider the Pluto trine to this Virgo moon. Within evolutionary astrology, Pluto brings gradual evolution as well as cataclysmic evolution. The difference being gradual evolution relates to the change and adaptation that comes with relative ease, like putting in the hours to learn a skill or going through a degree program and gaining a degree and having a life-changing experience that feels pretty fruitful and easy. Even if it was challenging or, you know, some essays were hard to write or something, it wasn't like traumatic. Um, cataclysmic evolution is more crisis-like in nature, like the way we adapt after suddenly losing a job that we didn't anticipate losing or being blindsided by a personal betrayal. Pluto trines the moon in Virgo, and this trine is an easeful aspect, which brings in more themes, quite likely, around gradual as opposed to cataclysmic evolution. One of the things that seeds cataclysmic situations or more intense crisis is the energetic of neglect, the energetic of something not being attended to and therefore piling up and getting to a more explosive um, or more problematic place. A person who suddenly finds themselves on the edge of a nervous breakdown may have a backlog of processes that have been going on for a while. It often doesn't just happen overnight. It can, but you know, thinking about these situations where there's crisis, there's usually been a buildup. Virgo relates to the intelligence of discernment and growing to understand the cause and effect of small actions and the way these actions accumulate over time. In other words, Virgo speaks to habits and the health or chaos of our habits. 
This full moon brings illumination to the health of our habits, the harvest of habits that we've cultivated yielding fruit, as well as a rising consciousness about places in our lives we'd like to refine, potentially through the signal that there is an issue cropping up or something feels off. Right? So again, if we're looking at these things that are misaligned or off from a place of I'm bad or the situation is bad and giving that kind of assignment to it, um, that's a different experience than living in a heavenly state of consciousness and noticing that something's off and you're like, wow, I would, I would like to adjust that, you know, like it's just not something that is so terrible though. Not that we don't have a real turbulent emotion sometimes when a symptom or an issue is cropping up that suggests that something is off. Sometimes we can get anxious um, or those things are scary. So to think about them from a place of, um, creativity and refinement is accessible when it's accessible. If we consider the trine to Pluto again, but place it in Capricorn, one thing that will help our implementation of life enhancing healthy habit is unwinding addiction that we have to shame. Shame is a state addiction and shame and avoidance feed each other. Here we can see a negative synergy between shame, Capricorn, as one of the possible Capricorn manifestations, and avoidance as one of the possible Virgo manifestations. I feel too bad about this, so I just can't or won't address it until it gets so bad that I'm forced to address it, is the vibe, right? And that is a kind of shame and avoidance cycle. And... To just kind of consider the ways that when we hold shame, it can feed an idea that we can't do something or we won't do something, as opposed to the other side of the Capricorn archetype that's more about accountability and integrity of like, I actually don't feel great about the state of things. I see my part in it and I'm going to adjust and take accountability in that way. At a higher octave, being in deeper relationship to our self-esteem, Taurus, the other part of the Earth trine, we have Virgo and Capricorn active here. Um, self-esteem can allow us to feel worthy to refine and elevate the circumstances of our lives, taking accountability, Capricorn, for what needs improvement, Virgo, in a loving and gentle way as an investment in the quality of life. And this full moon might bring a sense of celebration around the habits that we've already cultivated and getting to see the way that we've evolved, such as how we've gained more capacity to respond instead of react to situations that normally would have overwhelmed us. Or we might be in the process itself of improvement, leaning in, probably some combination of both as these things are spiralic and ongoing. One reason that people hold on to shame patterns is a sense of wanting or needing negative or punitive feedback to feel motivated. That if one recognizes how bad they are, they will improve. There's a quality of feeling like the shame is purposeful or protective. At an octave of living in a frequency of love and compassion, so Pisces lighting up this Virgo moon, the artistry and value of life itself promotes the desire to cultivate it. Refinement comes from love, not from punishment. Refinement is inspiration realized into form. 
right? So if you have this inner prison guard or this inner drill sergeant, who's the one that keeps you in check and keeps you in line, you know, thinking about that paradigmatically of like, why at a system, a body system level, do you want that type of character, that type of force to kick you into gear, kick you into shape? Um, what would it be like to cultivate a state of action or a state of generativity that is not motivated by a drill sergeant yelling at you, um, kind of energy. And that can be done. It's just, it's a personal paradigm shift. On March 19th, Venus in 12 degrees of Aquarius will square Uranus in 12 degrees of Taurus at 4.16 a.m. Pacific. Venus in Aquarius and Venus in aspect to Uranus both speak to the possibility of experiencing liberation in relationship, liberation in how we participate in connection, right? So feeling um, like we are covering new frontiers, whether that is expressed by the type of people we're connecting with or the type of relational circumstances that we are experiencing or our own capacity to be open to love, our own capacity to be present um, as opposed to in a field of projections or trauma patterns or karmic knots and loops, you know, to actually feel in the moment um, and maybe, you know, what it's like to gain a new communication skill set where something that used to be such a problem or such an impasse is now a place of creativity and shift. These types of liberation right? Like where you feel more free to be yourself, to be creative, to be connected. And then on the other hand, in evolutionary astrology, Aquarius and Uranus relate to mental trauma as well. So trauma and liberation are connected in some sense. Um, trauma is often like a rupture from the known. Liberation can also be a rupture from the known. Trauma is a personal prison in some sense and undoing um, the kind of trauma patterns or being able to even see them and to kind of rewire them allows us liberation, allows us liberation in our relatedness as well. So there can be a process of being so in the trauma that we don't know that's what we're doing. It just feels like that's the way things are. It's our worldview, it's our paradigm. There is a process of becoming aware of a trauma, like our attachment patterning or patterning or how we respond to situations because of difficult experiences we've been through that we haven't fully integrated. Then there is the process of clearing the block of said trauma, clearing it from our system, um, either at like a inner somatic level or through some kind of corrective repatterning experience. Um, and then being able to have more choices or perspective in situations outside of being in the fixed pathway of the trauma. And I think about Aquarius relating to technology as well, that overcoming trauma is, it involves technologies, you know, traumatic where trauma clearing modalities, um, perspective, insight, the, um, the relationship that we have with downloads or excitement or the relationship that we have with joy and our desire and play, like these are all things that can tap us into the, the matrix of our trauma patterning as well as how we kind of um, 
break out of it. Venus Uranus can bring this material to the foreground of our relationships, a place where we both reenact and repattern our stuff. So, right, it's one thing to not be aware of trauma patternings and to just be in the story of it. It's often, you know, people that have spiritual practices or are deeply introspective, you know, know some their patterns and you can see when you're suddenly in the matrix of a pattern and that's where you are and seeing how, you know, someone says something to you and they don't mean it in a way to be hurtful, but the way that it hits on your nerves, it is hurtful to you. And then sorting through that material of, you know, coming back into a state of alignment in your own nervous system or having the wisdom or the integration or the soul retrieval from that experience, communicating that in relationship and the kind of harmonizing with others. Um, these things can get extraordinarily complex, but it's essentially part of um, evolution is relational, right? Like the way that we influence and impact each other is part of our own creative evolutionary journey as well. Um, and it's, it's something to see that cutting edge of noticing our patterns, seeing what happens when we're in relationship and in connection and having the opportunity to further integrate that, um, and even change the script. A way to be creative about this kind of material is to think about the kinds of experiences and circumstances we truly desire you know, connect back with that 10 of cups, third deck in Pisces, sun in Pisces energy. Like what's the dream? Like what's your deep desire? Um, and where that is in dissonance with what is actually present or showing up in our field. These are places we may be personally seeking liberation, like wanting to speak up and share one's voice without feeling tightness in the throat yet again. We're wanting to have fun and connected relatedness instead of feeling deflated from disappointing experiences with others. The question becomes, what is going on in your personal matrix that these experiences are a reflection of? What are the codes and programs informing these non-preferred experiences? What adjustments and upgrades could create change? Right. Like I mentioned in a really recent forecast, the way that sometimes people that, you know, they want romantic relationships with men will go through a process of healing their relationship with the masculine archetypally because they have these mental programs of men are this way or this is what how I relate with men. And that program creates a disturbance field that keeps one from presence. So that sense of um, having a repeated circumstance related to a situation or a trigger and being like, what is the, the coding and the programming that I'm running that's keeping this karmic loop happening? And I often emphasize the personal and personal power in these forecasts because I believe that's a deeply meaningful locus and agent of change. When it comes to Aquarius, the personal codes and programs that we run and that feel restrictive are often also connected to the culture. There's other people running those programs, um, those same culturally entrained codes and programs. We have been culturally conditioned 
To break out of these as an individual means individuating from the collective. And there are often others who have found similar points of liberation and we resonate with them by being on that same path. So this is an interesting part, I think, too, about the Venus and Aquarius experience or Venus and aspect to Uranus is that often people who are um, different from the mainstream, right, they have separated from the culture at large and they form these kind of subcultural groups, you know, or their own bird, Um there is a sense of loneliness or isolation. And sometimes there's also just a, an extra kind of burden to the nervous system of not feeling like you're part of that cultural matrix, right? Then there are people who are deep in the group think and resist their own individuation because it, it feels like death. It's like not being part of the community. It's like exile. And so they sacrifice their individuation for belonging. And that doesn't sound fun to me, you know, but that people do that too. Then you have people who leave and they're kind of outliers, but then they're dealing with all this kind of like loneliness or trauma or sense of being alien or different. Um, and then you get a bunch of people, separate nodes of the network that come together and have their shared trauma of being different um, or alone. And that's why when we go into these kind of alternate communities, they're not always um, amazing. Like sometimes they have issues because the people in those communities still have issues that they're working through. So there's even a further layer of liberation around, yeah, exiting the mainstream, but then also having meaningful and healthy and regenerative relationships with other um, unusual people um, instead of being stuck in like collective um unconventional trauma loops, if that made sense. Um, I hope you followed me. But, um, right, I think there's something, another point of liberation to think about here is like when you're so in touch with your soul or your purpose or who you are and you're not willing to just settle for company, um, you face that feeling of alone aloneness, then... I think the universe, you know, and we still move into our aliveness or what brings us joy. We do eventually cross paths with other resonant souls, people of like mind and like heart and the celebration, the electricity, the magic between people that we have that electric resonance with is special. Um, so to bring this back to Venus and Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus, one dynamic that might be accelerating and meaningful to our relational liberation at the moment is to be in contact with innovative ideas and innovative people and to allow that part of ourselves to shine outwardly and be seen and reflected by others. This can challenge, contrast, add on to, fertilize our value sets, Taurus, and we can practice the act of choice, Venus, in how we relate or not relate to what we are presented with. You know, so what I'm saying essentially is find liberation through being in the company of people that are interesting to you and allow your freak flag to fly so that people can see the parts of you that actually feel alive to you. Um, and considering um, Venus approaching Saturn, I will also you know, bring up bandwidth as an Aquarian theme and that 
Sometimes in the process of being our our full radiant selves, there is a titration that if we just blast out into the, you know, the social space, all this stuff that we've kept inside and we're just like, this is, you know, this is my truth now. And like, we just like go overboard after being in a contracted state. Um, It's just kind of, it goes back to that, like snap of the rubber band back. When it comes to allowing ourselves to be um, out more and in our fullness and in our authenticity, um, you can go slow. You can open and reveal at a pace connected to your body, Taurus, as well. And then we have the equinox on March 20th. It's a big week. We've got lots of activating stuff going on, Aries season. So this is March 20th, 8.33 a.m. The sun will stay in Aries until April 19th. Aries season begins a time of thrilling newness, being fresh within ourselves and eager to move outward into the world. Sometimes this comes with a full vision, like a hero with a mission, Joan of Arc, you know, and other times it is a discovery question, seeking new experiences to answer the question, who am I? Like someone going on a road trip to discover themselves and they have no idea what's going to happen. This can be a beautiful time to lean into beginner's mind of intentionally making space for new experiences or listening to the gentle or fierce call of our internal impulses. Aries is willing to act and then find out as opposed to needing to know everything before beginning. And Aries, you know, is not necessarily about throwing caution to the wind and not caring about consequences. Um, Being rash, you know, doing something we already know is a bad idea is not the same as genuinely not knowing how something will turn out and moving forward experimentally. Feel into your true edge, where your true edge of being a beginner is. That space is so fertile and creative during Aries season. It's a thrilling energetic because it's literally a new frontier inside of ourselves. The sense of never having been to a place before and there's so much possibility and so much space to learn as we go. I've really, I've thought about this energetic a lot where it's kind of like your guardian angels or the fool who's kind of leaping off the cliff and that when we're in a state of genuine innocence, I do think there's more buffered forces of protection in the world. Not, you know, all the time, but often there is that, you know, or like you have that opening scene of the sword in the stone, the Disney film from the nineties, probably where, um, young Arthur is like walking through the woods. He has no idea he's being stalked by a wolf. And while he just is like lightheartedly leaping from rock to rock, this wolf keeps like hitting his head and getting stuck and getting thwarted. And so Arthur is just innocently frolicking along, no idea he's being chased. Right. And so he is innocent. He is protected. Um, when we're rash, when we act foolish, when we actually know better, I think that the, um, feedback from life is a little bit more harsh, a little bit more Saturnian. And so there's something about Aries, I think that prompts us to have courage to take risks, but it's not the same as being foolish. And sometimes the, um, the discernment 
with Aries is learning by doing and kind of discovering that range, um, for ourselves. I know as an Aries, and I just posted a podcast to let everyone know that I'm an Aries because people forget or think I am not one. And so I recorded a whole podcast episode about it. Um, I often do things that I'm scared of or like lean into, um, having courage, but there are certain things that I find scary and I'm like, no, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. It doesn't feel like a worthwhile risk. And so figuring out kind of what, what type of courage is important for me to lean into, um, I think can really show up with Aries, that sense of what's your path? What jump are you, what leap are you meant to take? And then same day, we have Mercury in 18 degrees of Pisces, conjunct Jupiter in 18 degrees of Pisces at 11.06 p.m. And this conjunction has me thinking cinematically. So recalling films where no matter how bizarre or off the beaten path a character's experience is, the narrator of the film has something coherent and holistic to say about the whole journey and what it's all meant right? Like it's like that bigger kind of wise perspective. We can think of Mercury and Pisces as a little bit of a fringe Mercury, like the, the mystic having experiences that are sidelined by the normal way of perceiving reality. The person who's on a big adventure that it's like, how did I get here? How did I wash up here? And the wise, you know, all knowing omniscient narrator who has the, the story about it. So there may be wisdom accessible at this time, through conversation, story, symbol, divination, prayer, vision, to contextualize particular experiences we are having or have had that felt confusing or disorienting. A good story can give us hope, a direction, a map, a bigger perspective. We are always telling stories about ourselves, others, and the world around us, implicitly or explicitly. Not all stories are generous, enhancing, helpful, and some stories will give you life and give you the world. It is worth being mindful about where we create stories that are half-baked just to create security or order when the truth is that we still don't have the answers or perspective to make a story, that we're rushing a conclusion when we're actually in a more middle part. Being a seeker or being in the state of collecting more information or asking questions can also be a chapter of the story. Endings and conclusions that are rushed and Pisces turn into what we might call delusions. At least be honest when you're working with a hypothesis and feel into where stories are inspiring and life-giving, what it feels like for information or context to actually feel expansive and regenerative. And then March 22nd, 2022, we have Mars in 12 degrees of Aquarius, square Uranus in 12 degrees of Taurus at 1.44 p.m., catching up with the Venus square that just exacted earlier in the week. Mars in Aquarius can bring conceptual speed, like having an eagerness around a plan. Uh, And as this comes up against Uranus and Taurus, there is a tension between either a natural and true pace of the body or of material reality or some kind of inertia and stagnancy within the body and material reality. Right. So conceptual speed and then but what's happening at like the, the realm of matter. A person can mentally want to run a marathon, but only have the physical capacity to run a few miles and they have to train up to the bigger goal. 
Sometimes, however, the mental will to run the whole marathon will allow a person to do just that. And then they feel the consequences in their body the next day of going way past their limitation. That's an example, but it it really is a metaphor of like where we can overextend ourselves, but what is the cost to our energetic system after? If we place this in the context of Venus having just squared Uranus and approaching Saturn, there may be a theme right now of wanting to accelerate intimacy within relationships, but realizing that doing so, while possible due to passion and willingness, may not be easy to integrate. Mars Uranus does bring enthusiasm and spurts of energy, but we may still be feeling into how to stabilize that, Taurus, and how sometimes just a little bit of energy is potent enough to create a lot of movement. In places we are already set up for momentum, as in the ground has been prepared, fast movement may feel more supported. So I'm not actually advocating for necessarily going slow or going fast, just that there is an attention right now between speed um, and capacity. And sometimes introducing that little jolt of energy may be very regenerative to the whole system Um, and actually be really embodied and true. Whereas other times speeding up a process is um, going against the body. The introduction of active innovation, Mars and Aquarius to an existing system, Uranus, or existing somatic system, Uranus and Taurus, so a body system, could be super enlivening right now. Like what it feels like to do breath work or a new breath work practice. We are always breathing, but breath work makes more potent, aware, potentiated something we're already doing. The body is full of aliveness and eros, and innovative practices, Aquarius, can be a route to remembering that or fleshing it out in greater fullness. So I think there's, you know, Mars Uranus really does like to... Um, push on the gas pedal and make things go faster. The square is just suggesting again, that tension or that friction between the Taurian kind of impulse to, um, stay grounded and stay put. Uranus and Taurus has been bringing, you know, an ongoing kind of awakening to our body. And so finding, um, you know, what's it like to have a disruptive, embodied experience that's not like something's not wrong you're just having an experience like maybe your body is processing or releasing a trauma or a fear and it feels unsettling as it's coming out and then you feel freer afterwards and I find in mainstream culture we don't have a lot of um permissions or supports or even frameworks to contextualize those types of somatic processes we have a lot more conditioning to kind of numb or regulate the body and keep stuff in and turn it inward or have it come out in kind of damaging ways. And so to have a more innovative or creative, regenerative, life-enhancing relationship with somatic processing, with the ways that we shake out or release trauma or Um, shake out stuck and stagnant energy, um, how we integrate deeper states of joy or pleasure or aliveness are all deep places of opening um, and discovery. And I think like radical revolution right now at a personal level, Uranus and Taurus. 
So all of this being said, I forgot to say at the beginning to please like this video, subscribe to this channel, hit the notification bell so that you get notified when new videos come out. Please also leave a comment. Let me know what resonated with you. Um, I hope this prompting did not come too late. Like don't go without leaving a comment and let me know what stirred for you and how you're doing this week. I'm wishing you a beautiful full moon and I'll see you again soon. Thank you.